0: And welcome back to Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. We're so blessed that you are with us. And right out of the gates, I want to simply declare God's sovereignty. He is overall. Whatever you are experiencing right now in your marriage, in your family, in your world, and we know it seems very uncertain at times, we want to declare God's sovereignty. I've got four, I would say, my very best friends with me tonight, and we just want to open the door and talk about what's happened in the last year. Each of them, four, three of them are business owners. One of them is a professor, brings a lot of insight to this. They're all husbands and fathers. With you, like me, we're trying to work it out. We're trying to see, if you will, on the battlefield, the smoke, the fog, right? We feel maybe that the bombs have been going off and the debris is everywhere. And it's a little bit, you've heard the phrase, a fog of war. It's kind of hard to kind of get a shape of what's happening, where things are coming from. We have a new president. We have a radically new culture and a new agenda in front of us than we did a year ago, or we ever would have hoped a year ago. That's huge. That's not inconsequential. We have ecclesial reality that are playing out. We came off of a lot of the uh, priestly scandal stuff. Let's keep it real. McCarrick, Uh, there's still the dispensation from going to Mass. And so I think a whole lot of people who are faithful Catholics would like to be in the presence of Jesus. But perhaps a good number of us have been, I don't know, crippled by fear and not living our lives fully because of the way the culture has uh, forged us with that. So This is a bit of the shape of this moment in history, this February, the second full week of 2021. And in the midst of all that, through this conversation, we're going to get real, we're going to get honest. But obviously, in declaring God's sovereignty, we want to declare the light and the darkness. We want to keep it real. And to set that up, simply, I'd like to invoke what Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, called the Stockdale Paradox. Now, just to acquaint you, and he identified a number of the features that distinguish great organizations from From merely good organizations and all of this data he put in his book good to great and one of the key features of this was what he called the Stockdale paradox know what's that Admiral Stockdale many of you know he was a vice presidential candidate for a libertarian one of the early libertarian president uh, running for office but he was a survivor of concentration camps and he was asked the question. When many of your brothers died in these horrific circumstances in a concentration camp, you know, how how did you survive? And he simply gave what we call the Stockdale paradox. Number one, he said, I had a lively expectation of a good outcome. I was optimistic. I had confidence that there was light at the end of the tunnel, number one. But number two is where many of us are challenged. He said, I dealt with the brutal facts. I looked at the brutal facts. It didn't try to gloss it over. I didn't try to pretend. I didn't try to play games with it. I looked at the reality the way it is. And if you guys have been along the road with us long enough at Ignite Radio Live, Mass Impact, we want to go there. We want to keep it real. We want to be optimistic cuz God is sovereign, but throughout biblical history and in this present moment, we're not going to navigate this this fog of war well if we're not being brutally honest. And I mean personally, our relationship with God, our marriages, our families, and the world, the way we're responding to it. We need all the more to have these kind of conversations to discuss, well, what is reality? How are we addressing these things? So, first of all, just a quick around. We have with us, as I said, four awesome men, uh, Rich Cronin, who is a husband and father, and he is the owner and head of Perrysburg Automall Cronin Auto Group, Um, so your next car look no further than look up perrysburgautomall.com check it out amazing place we've gotten all our cars there walt erickson if you have a business a company and you're looking to build what you should because we're optimistic here right and you want to put glass on it because you just like the outdoors and you like the beauty god has created and uh, walt is your windows man so interstate commercial glass is his company and he is a husband and father uh number eight is going to be coming very i don't know seven months eight months what we got going here walt when's due date uh beginning of september so we are so excited for them all the way over to jeff elmore who is an awesome husband and father and he and his wife run turning point chiropractic again uh we and about 93.7 percent of all the people we know Amazing things have been happening with us and to us in the the whole realm of becoming healthy and being healthy with Dr. Jeff Elmore, and they just welcomed number four into the world. Welcome, Dr. Jeff. And the always awesome Drew, the man, Blazik. You've heard his voice over our airwaves, just a convert to the Catholic faith, by the way, along with Jeff Elmore and Walt Erickson. We have three converts with us tonight, and Rich and I might throw ourselves in the ring because we're always going deeper and deeper being converted, but in that way of coming into the Catholic faith. Drew is a professor at Lourdes and uh, very knowledgeable about matters, economy, politics, theology. He's a voracious consumer of good media, and he, he He's the one who passes along he is the curator it sounds like a wwf title the curator he's a curator he takes all that great data and he uh, uh presents it gives it to me and i know how to focus my attention on things that really matter and he's talked on past episodes about uh private revelation and the applicability of this present day he, we've talked politics we've talked all sorts of things and drew and jesse he is a parent of five right drew All right. That's awesome. I got it, Tom. So, brothers, it's February 2020. We don't quite know that uh, COVID is going to be what it is. We may be anticipated. Uh, Three of your business owners. You have responsibilities there. The tumultuous political season is playing out. And I just want to ask you, what are key challenges you faced? And from the past 12 months, what did you learn? Challenges faced and how are you better? What did you learn? Let's start with Walt.
1: So Greg, I'm gonna take you back one more month because uh, we were, my family was in Destin, Florida, in January, and um, while we were on vacation down there, is when we first, you know, really heard, that, I think that the coronavirus was quote unquote in the United States, and it, it actually uh, made me it reminded me of the, the the front end story of a Matthew Kelly book mm. for those of you who have read it, uh, story about the um, you know the plague and the little boy. Right. And obviously it's a play on, on, you know, God, father, son, Jesus Christ, you know, sacrifice for child. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, man, like, this is like playing out in real life. And I'm like, Matthew Kelly, you're freaking me out here. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to believe or what level to believe, I guess, how real it was or dangerous it was, or obviously none of us could have expected the impact it would have. Um, like many things, uh, that come from the media. I am always skeptical. I've been skeptical since I was a little kid. Uh, but obviously, by March, it had invaded right mm. the, all the airwaves. Um, you know, we were quote unquote forced to deal with it from a business standpoint. Um, we elected to offer our employees layoff. They were able to receive uh, their pay. Right, our leadership team at at the at works thought, well, maybe we'll see two or three people. Um, we saw 17 mm. 17 people uh, immediately took it wow. they were like I'm, I'm staying home and you know they were obviously fearful enough to not come to work that right there was the first inclination of wow mm. there is a lot of people living in immense fear um, which I relate to as different than concern right so there's a difference between concern and fear. And, uh, you know, as Christian, we are called to fear only losing the Lord. So fear really should not be in our vocabulary outside of fear of losing the Lord, fear of the Lord, you know, ever turning away from the Lord. And so I'm thinking about all this and I'm like, man, you know, some of these guys uh, are known Democrats. Some of these guys are known Republicans. Uh, some of these guys were Christian
2: mm.
1: you know if you will you know went to church uh, some of these guys were not and so it was across all the political and faith spectrums uh, that this fear existed uh, that also I guess maybe surprised me to some extent uh, but nonetheless we had to deal with it right and um, so within weeks though, most of the guys came back um, I think I think you know it's just kind of more or less maybe the initial shock of it all mm-hmm. so, Uh, Our business for 2020 went down 35%. So our sales went down 35%. Um, Personally, a lot of frustration with, uh, you know, the the government mandated shutdowns and thinking how in the world can they do this? And this is setting a precedent. And if they can do this now, they can do it again. And what's that look like in the future? And on the positive side, so many stories about people spending more time with their family. Mm -hmm. So many stories were about people spending more time at home. And you know and you think what does that do to the hotel industry what does it do to the airlines mm-hmm. industry right but i think we're asking the wrong questions cre- questions because all that has to do with financial dollars the real question is but is that better for the family when dad's home every night as opposed to in a hotel or mom's home every night as opposed to in a hotel that's a lot better for the family mm-hmm. it's a whole lot better for the family and the vast majority of these young people are going into college completely unprepared you know for the the wickedness that exists on college campuses and so forth. And I think, man, if a lot of these kids are going to start doing school from home or choosing other paths, this could be a good thing. Mm -hmm. We may lose less souls.
0: You came through... With all of those challenges and questions of the economic landscape, you feel a responsibility. I know this from our conversations as you ought to, not just for your wife, Liz and your children, but for fifty something employees uh in in terms of the decisions you make there 's a heightened Uh, weight on the decisions that you are making about the future of your company Uh, and again not just COVID you're looking at political landscape if you don't mind just take a moment and tell me in the midst of that how you were personally uh, forged if you will in those fires how did Walt Erickson emerge from this um, stronger and uh, if you will a a better disciple
1: it's a deep question my friend I know it
0: is I know you can Um, answer it
1: Obviously, I, I vote based on the Catholic Church moral, moral, uh, your moral teachings, pro-life. I believe in the dignity of everyone. I believe uh, you know, that every one of our employees, I, 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 wanna, I always strive to make sure that they do not have a glass ceiling, not just loving them as Christ does, but actually making sure that there is no glass ceiling for them. And what I mean by that is uh, I want them to achieve all that they're able to achieve, right? Not what they can achieve for me. It's a huge difference there. Um, on the political landscape though, I mean, I mean, it was like Mm -hmm. two magnets, the size of your house pushing against each other. Mm. Uh, you've got riots going on in all these cities, Mm -hmm. right. And you're thinking, man, what is going on? How can this be? You know, people talking about like, like seriously talking about defunding the police and so forth. And I'm thinking these same people are saying we can't have any guns. I like, this just doesn't make any sense. Um, know and all the while right it's you're as a business owner as a christian business owner you're not just reliant on making sure that your family is taken care of you're relying on making sure all of the people at your work is taken care of and if you are unwilling to sacrifice for them you have not carried the cross that god has asked you to carry as a business owner period end of story uh so clearly It was a heavy burden for me. It continues to be. And I know it's God's call for me to carry it. But uh, as you can see from my response to you, Greg, just a slew of emotions, right? Just a slew of of scenarios that I'm trying to figure out and dodge and deal with. And, you know, we had this warm and cozy economy and world going on, right, where everyone kind of kept their opinions to themselves. And all of a sudden, things just blew up. Huge. Uh, You had to pick sides. Right, you have to pick sides. Uh, there, is, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. Um, you, you know, you have to decide, um, you know, for example, uh, one of my family members said, hey, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a certain political sign in your front yard, you know, now that, now that uh, we have a, you know, a different president, you know, don't you think you want to take that down? Don't you think you're putting yourself at risk? And I'm like, uh, that sign's not coming down. I said, that sign's gonna stay up in my yard for the next four years. Uh, Same thing with my pro-life signs. I have a pro-life sign at work, and I have a pro-life sign at home. Mm -hmm. They'll never come down. If someone decides that they don't want to do business with Interstate Glass because I am pro-life, that's not my problem. That's their problem.
0: Key themes. Uh, Those are good themes.
1: Had to make make these stances.
0: Well, thank you for that. Um, A lot to Pine in-depth but businessman dealing with the uncertain landscape the responsibility uh, just the coming at home uh, the turn to home in spite of the tumultuous circumstances the speaking boldly about things and finding a platform to talk about them all really good themes let's go to Rich Cronin Rich tell us a little bit about your story taking us back again what what were some of your greatest challenges and emerging through it how are you a better person what did you learn from it
3: well thanks Greg um my story you know not so different than uh than Walt's or anyone else's here Uh, i'm the father of three college-age kids um i'm the owner of a couple of car dealerships we employ about 140 employees and so back in march of last year you know i just remember that sunday when the governor came on the air and announced that we had to flatten the curve and we were going to shut everything down and you know, like everybody, it was kind of a surreal moment. Um, particularly, uh, I immediately got a whole bunch of calls from employees saying, "What do we do? Do we go to work or not?" And um, I had to go into work and explain. You know, uh, we may not be able to stay open. We may be. Um, of course, our business just literally shut down, and and uh, uh, and the fact that people weren't buying cars or servicing them or anything else. So I had a lot of employees we had to let go. And um, over the next uh, couple of weeks, we, we let go about half of our work. Wow. And so, um, so you know, just all of that. And then, of course, the bishops of Ohio coming out and saying, we're going to shut the churches down. I think that was probably the most dramatic thing of, of all the things we dealt with, because, uh, you know, I like to go to daily mass. I like to, uh, you know, our family is a, a good, faithful family. We, we uh, need the Eucharist. We need. Um, and so shutting that down was extremely difficult for all of us. Um, in fact, I remember on, uh, Easter Sunday, we, you know, as a family, we decided during mass time, we would, uh, you know, try to make it as normal as we could in front of the TV. So mm-hmm. we sat down and we, 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 we kneeled and we still stood and did all those we were things.
0: We are
3: with you. And, um. And I remember uh, at the end of the Easter Sunday Mass, my daughter just broke out and cried. Mm. It was really, uh, you know, she was just saddened by the fact that we couldn't be in Mass that day. And that, that, that per- day particularly uh, struck me as a very, very difficult day. Um, but, you know, it was difficult throughout. I think what Walt touched on was the issue of fear. And fear uh, is what uh, permeated every aspect of our life be it, uh, our family, our work, uh, our faith, you know, uh, and in school. So, you know, everything was kind of ruled by fear. And so I, I do remember, you know, from a, the most basic standpoint, you know, you fear losing your business. And I certainly did that, mm-hmm. but I immediately had to look at our employees and say, okay, uh, these people fear losing their jobs. They fear losing their incomes. They fear losing their homes, all those things, because we don't know what's going to happen. And so we kind of had to come together as a team and really kind of talk through all the things that we we're going to do. Um, luckily for us, uh, you know, the, the half of our workforce that remained just kind of worked, you know, went about the, the uh, business of working hard and doing the things that we knew we would have to do. We had experience a general motor strike the, the previous fall. And we know what happens when things shut down over a course of five or six weeks basically completely uh, supply completely shuts off and and that was just with one company and we were looking at it from a global shutdown of the economy that we knew that supplies would be extremely limited so we immediately went to work to find uh, inventory and actually there was a lot of people who were dumping inventory and we were a buyer of it so Uh, so we, we knew that when things came back, the, the guys who, uh, who didn't rule out of fear, um, would be better off than those who, who kind of hunkered down and and were fearful. So, so we went about the business of working hard. Fortunately for us, uh, business, um, came back strong in, in June, um, particularly in the auto business and, and probably June through October was the five best months the auto business has seen in many 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 years that's great we're very fortunate and over the course of a couple of months we're able to bring back uh all of our workforce i think what we learned is that um the blessings come in in everyday life the best blessings come uh with our family life and and it was beautiful uh you know it was spring out and i remember walking with our family we'd walk with our family you know, out uh, in the neighborhood and every family in the neighborhood were walking and I saw more families out in the neighborhoods than I ever see before. And so that was a beautiful thing. Um, and so, you know, th- that was a, a comfort for everybody to be around their families. You know, work is a tremendous blessing. And and these, uh, politicians who think that they're doing us a favor by shutting things down mm. are completely wrong because people have to work work is a it's a blessing to our families it's a blessings to ourselves this is what we need to do as a society to get back to work and then finally you know i was so relieved when we were able to attend mass again on
2: pentecost Mm -hmm.
3: and there was just this great exuberance of joy uh that permeated myself and my family on that on that pentecost sunday and um you know i always know that one of the precepts of the of the church is that you need to uh receive communion during the easter period and i thought i got to mass. I gotta get back to mass during the easter period and i remember getting that eucharist on on pentecost sunday and just feeling feeling relieved and overjoyed uh that we were able to do that and then finally you know my kids uh were online in school during the, the entire period of time this was not normal for them. I had son graduated from high school and a daughter graduated from college and they had, you know, zoom, uh, graduations. And it was, it was actually very sad uh, to tell you the truth that they couldn't experience a normal everyday life. And meanwhile, you know, um, we look back and the, the, the pandemic, uh, during that period of time, it isn't nearly what it was during November, December. Um, and so I, I think, you know, in, in, in June and July, we certainly could have been doing things uh, to make it more normal, things like graduations and whatever else we needed to do. But, you know, that's basically my experience is it is I, I think my experience is no different than a lot mm-hmm. of uh, everyone's.
0: Thank you, Rich. That That's uh, what what's punctuated in your story there powerful theme is the power and the necessity of presence. Not just the power of presence, but the absolute necessity of presence for our health, for our well-being in every way. And um, as you spoke of the Mass in particular, that experience all of us had participating by watching on a screen, that would have been, if you will, a non-Catholic, Evangelical, Protestant experience of what a Sunday service might be like at its best— We knew we were missing being in the presence of Jesus, John 6, that conviction for 2,000 years that Christ is truly present to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And if that's true, if Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life within you, if we're not receiving him... We'll be languishing. You know, we're, we're going to experience some sense of being cut off. And yes, God can provide beyond his sacraments. God provides in every single way, but he gives us this gift of his sacraments that Catholics have discovered. And when we're away from it, and I, I just want to punctuate this message to anybody who's listening right now who have been away, and I might say unnecessarily. So you're going to Kroger's, you're getting your food, you're exposing in every other way. Why? Because you see the value of those things, but you're experiencing maybe a languishing just consider that maybe that's because you're not receiving what God designed you to receive, which is his presence. You are going to say, Rich.
3: Well, you know, the Eucharist is both sacrament and sacrifice, and I think I always understood the sacrament part of it is receiving uh, Jesus in the Eucharist. What Mm -hmm. I probably never truly understood was the sacrificial part of it, and that's what our Mass is, is the sacrifice of of, uh, the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I think we all learned our participation in that sacrifice by having all these things happen to us and it is truly a a participation uh, in the sacrifice of christ and the cross of uh you know of of calvary that we all participated in and i think you know for those who who truly um for me personally who started to understand that at a much deeper level than i ever Mm -hmm. understood that was a blessing for
0: me phenomenal theme and by the way folks just that word alone sacrifice sacrifice literally means to to make sacred to make sacred so when you think of sacrifice you think of maybe blood as we should you think of this self donation it's it's painful it hurts right we we think of those ideas and it literally is god's hand forging us to be like his son, Jesus, in the heart of Christ, to make us sacred. Let's go to Jeff Elmore now. Jeff, uh, husband and father with Turning Point Chiropractic, and a, maybe a good pivot point because Jeff is in the realm of health and uh, has studied the subject of uh, virus and COVID quite extensively. We've had many conversations about that. So, Jeff, I want to allow you also, as you share a little bit of your story, please weave in some of the, the prominent themes, things you and I have spoken about that may be counter or counter intuitive. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but some key things that maybe people are really missing uh, in pursuing that truth through the fog.
4: You got it. So yeah, you know, we were in practice and uh, we had heard about the coronavirus stuff, which is crazy. It's been almost a year. And one day we went into the office and our schedule was like poof, like 25% of our patients showed up. Mm -hmm. We just sat there and we looked at each other. We looked at Gwen, our secretary, and said, what in the world, you know, and then you start getting, you know, all these little articles and this and that and media things. And it sort of starts blowing up. And so for, I'm for, on, and for in full honesty, Rachel and I looked at each other for like two weeks into this and we're like deer in the headlights, like what in the world is going on? And, um, we just took a second. We just said, listen, what we were trained to do is to train to think. And so we went back to our, 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 our thought process. We turned off the news, turned off the media for a second. We just listened and said, what, what is going on? And we looked at our philosophy and Rachel and all of us guys right now, and everyone listening to this right now, your heart is beating, your lungs are breathing, your kidneys are filtering, your liver's detoxing, your stomach's breaking down food, and you're not even thinking about it. Why? How does that work? It works because you are intelligent. There is intelligence in living matter. Trees are intelligent. Animals are intelligent. All living matter is intelligent. Why? because we're connected to the source of intelligence. I believe it's God, we believe it's God. And so we're connected to that. But we're also humans, we're also exposed to emotional stress, physical stresses and chemical stresses. So you go through a period of time, you listen to the political world, you listen to the national um, health people telling you to wear a mask and social distance, we need to shut everything down, we need to quarantine, we need to do all these things to stop a virus. And I look at it and say, Oh, we're all diabetic. We're all overweight. We're not exercising. We're not doing these things to make this immune system that God created work properly. And so Rachel and I just had a sit down. We're like, you know what? This is not, this is not right. You know? And so we are going to work out of faith. We are not going to work out of fear. We're going to educate people in this time, how to be healthier. Turn off CNN, turn off Fox news, turn off those things, get off the couch and exercise. Get rid of all the processed foods and all the sugary stuff. Get let's work on our weight issues. You know, let's for our mental health turn off all that stuff. You know, and so if we can reduce the amount of emotional, physical, chemical stresses on our body, our body can be stronger and healthier. And I have people say, "Well, well, Dr. Jeff, you're you know that's like in an ideal world. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now." And I said, well, yeah, you know, and at this point, you know, it's in November, December, I'm like, yeah, but this pandemic has been going on for nine months. Just think if you would have taken this stuff done, uh, making these changes initially, just think how much healthier you'd be in 30 days, 40 days, 60 days, 90 days, just think how much healthier you would have been a year ago. And so we looked at it as a different stress and strain, and we just went into our faith more, why are we designed this way? How are we designed? You know, we see a lot of people making decisions out of fear We're out of power, or out of control. And we just said, we didn't, we didn't want that. And so being a business owner, we went to our staff and, you know, two weeks in said, here's how we're going to operate. This is going to be a safe space. We are going to educate people on how health is actually achieved. And we're going to look at this. And when we would get more and more data coming in, you would find, okay, well asymptomatic people can spread. Okay. Asymptomatic people can spread. Okay. We need to wear a mask. Okay. We don't need to wear a mask. Okay. Actually, we do need to wear a mask. Let's wear a mask for six weeks. Oh, it's six months later. Okay. Let's wear two or three masks. We look at it and we say, this is all ridiculous. And people are still going along with this because we're allowing them to. We said, this is a game and we don't wanna play that game. You know, we wanna operate in faith and truth and goodness. And so um, our family, you know, we, we kept our kids home from school, not because we're afraid of a virus, but because we don't want them to wear masks and social distance and be subjected to all this chaos and so for our family we've seen so much great benefit from it because um we've been getting closer we get to homeschool we get to see their curriculum we get to sit and talk to them at dinner when i say hey what'd you learn in school today from mom and i get a oh you know not not a whole lot like they would if they were in school i, I go mom what did they learn today and then she would say okay they learned this is this. okay now tell me about that you know we get to have better conversations and be more connected to what they're learning but we were talking to Isaac, our six and a half year old, yesterday, and we said, uh, "Remember when? Remember when we couldn't go to church?" He's like, "No, what are you talking about? Like, you know, they closed mass. Like we weren't allowed to go to church for a long time. We were watching it on TV. Do you remember that?" "No, I, I, no one told me that they closed <laughs> churches." And, That's right. Like, "Remember, remember when the, our priest came over and had mass for us in our home, so we could have the the blessed sacrament." Well, yeah, I, I mean, I remember him coming. No one told me that churches were closed. You know. And so we tried to operate as much as normal as we could. We would go to church, you know, the churches were closed for masses, but a lot of the doors were unlocked. We'd go sit in adoration. We'd go sit in front of the blessed sacrament. We'd go sit in a pew and just pray. We would try to get the kids as involved as much as we could, but yeah, it it was just an interesting, it's just been an interesting year. And and like I said, I can't, we can't believe it's a year. and We're still having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, We're still kind of struggling, piecing it together. We're kind of getting worn down and beaten down a little bit on our daily struggles of going against the culture. We feel like we've done that all along. We feel like we're going against the culture with alternative health and and looking at the goodness of how the bodies are created. We feel like we're going against the culture of trying to dive deeper into our Catholic faith, trying to dive into the moral teachings of the church, setting politics aside. You know, we can debate about immigration. We can debate about these things, but there are some moral things that we cannot debate about. And so we feel like we're getting hit over the head in all these different areas. And so it's a stress and it's a strain, you know, but uh, I had a, a patient who sent me and Greg, you might cover this later. It was uh, an interview with Pope Benedict in 1968 mm-hmm. or the uh, future Pope Benedict. And he talked about the, the future of the church. It's going to be a smaller, poorer, um, more faithful, more fruitful church. Uh, but it's going to see its big share of struggles. We're going to see a lot of, um, social norms for the church being um, getting rid of, and uh, it's going to be a very different place, and um, and we're seeing it, and and we're living it, and so um, we we hope to to be a part of that faithful and fruitful mm-hmm. church, and um, you know keep living that
0: message. Fabulous pivot point, uh, Jeff, and I do want to circle back before the end of this program, and just get your from the gut thoughts on health. Give us some great perspective on how we ought to think with regard to the COVID crisis. Is the culture overly hyped and are we missing some significant areas of health because of the focus of that hype in one area to the complete disregard of others? So let me store that in your in your memory, and we'll go to that. Now, absolutely, you sent me that article from uh, when he was just Father Joseph Ratzinger in 1969, and he predicted the future of the Church. I'll uh, have this in my show notes, igniteradiolive.com, for you all to uh, check this out, but it's quite prolific, and I'm just going to read one of the paragraphs at the end of that. Uh, So this then, Father Ratzinger stated, again in 1969, but when the trial of this sifting is passed, A great power will flow from a more spiritualized and simplified church. Men in a totally planned world will find themselves unspeakably lonely. If they have completely lost sight of God, they will feel the whole horror of their poverty. Then they will discover the little flock of believers as something wholly new. They will discover it is a hope that is meant for them, an answer to for which they have always been searching in secret. Just a part of this phenomenal prophecy, again, from then-Father Joseph Ratzinger, the man who would be Pope Benedict XVI. And on that pivot point, we've had three business owners. Again, all wonderful husbands, fathers, very devout Catholic men. We turn to Drew Blazik, Professor Drew, who has a wide range of insight on all of these things. And uh, just what are your thoughts, Drew? Take us back a year and, again, challenges, and how have you been formed in it? How are you a better person? At the time, I was working at a
5: county job. And um, of course, all the, uh, I was surrounded by a lot of uh, liberal people and they flock around me and um, <laughs> we had some good conversations Why we are here. So, and this is, this is what I noticed. Um, they, they just, I remember when it first happened, I just couldn't understand what was going on with the churches before, before even the uh, uh, governor said anything. You had our Bishop, you had many bishops shut down the churches before anything. They're so quick to shut down the sacraments before even the governor said a word. And I don't think our governor even said you have to shut down the churches. This was something the bishops volunteered. And this was something that uh, I don't think was really even a good reason to. Now, they were scared. And I think people are driven by the media. Whatever the mainstream media perpetrates, that's what people try to um, think is truth and that's what they go by. Even, even if truth is in there and truth is somewhere else but unless the media shows it, people don't really care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what I learned and in Canada, in the US, you still have bishops that shut down. I want you to think about this. They shut down the mass. If you're about to die, you couldn't get last rites. If you, uh, you couldn't go to confession, they said no confession. Priests had to go underground and do it against the bishop. Um, I'm not saying that happened in Ohio, didn't happen in Toledo, that extent, but there are still places like that in Canada. You can't have more, more than 10 people in certain areas. You go to mass. So if you had a couple hundred people, of course, not everybody can go to mass still going on today. So I was talking to this guy and we always gotten into some pretty good debates. And I said, I can't believe they're shutting down the churches. He couldn't believe I said that. And I said, Hey, do you have a problem with people going to Kroger? Why are we going to Kroger? Why is Home Depot open? He goes, oh, they're essential. And I said, don't you understand the bishops? Everybody's saying that church is not essential. Home Depot is more important than the mass. That's what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't hear one church person say, or leader in the church say, why is Lowe's open? Nobody complained about that. So you had hundreds of of people walk in here, think about that, touching packages, and nobody's afraid of getting sick. But people in mass, people going to confession, that's horrible. So I learned that our lead, some of our leaders do not believe that the sacraments are essential. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, uh, dualism, where this is the same heresy that goes around, that you can say they said spirit was more important the body isn't at the beginning of the church. And now they're saying the body is more important and the spirit, the soul, is not important. And you see that playing out and that's where it goes to that yeah you can go to kroger because the body is important but the soul is not and i i believe it goes back to that some church people play out all men are saved what does it matter
0: 99 percent of people are going to heaven so it does not matter at all great point um pause on that a second true because it's not inconsequential that there's a sufficiency right there's a a sufficiency that i'm good with god nothing else really matters. There's not an attentiveness to what it means to walk in our salvation and for that to be worked out, as Paul says, in fear and trembling. Just, if you don't mind, as is a is a fairly new Catholic um, and as you see, maybe you must be stunned a little bit that Catholics in a sense act the same way, that uh, a sense of, hey, I don't need to go to Mass. I don't need the sacraments. Just speak into that. I'm giving you an opportunity to lay it out there maybe a little thicker. Jesse's
5: grandmother was dying and I asked to have um, a priest to come in, you have, uh, to anoint her. Mm -hmm. And one of the relatives, which was Catholic said, why are you bringing a priest in? She's saved. Mm -hmm. So they make that assumption, it's the worst thing to do. If you have a loved one that passed away, we make that assumption. The person's saved. We have no clue. It's up to God, but we do know we can offer sacrifice. We can pray for that soul. I think that's the problem. People think that they are saved no matter what. And that goes in with a lot of leaders of the church that preach that, and that's I think that's a big problem. Uh, another point I wanna bring up was this thought that we have to shut things down to save people. I asked that same liberal person, I said, the UN just did a study, um, you can look it up, I think it was in March, and they used the word biblical, that there's gonna be mass famine of biblical proportions because of shutdown, the food supply has been interrupted. So I asked the person, are you okay with millions upon millions could die of famine, poor people in these countries, because you want to be shut down and protected from a sickness? And it was really interesting. If you know anything about politics, they believe in globalism. And note the response they got from the person is, well, America first, which blew me away because I was so against the liberal point of view. But they're okay, think about it, that millions will die. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, there are reports of mass famine that's happening around the world right now because of the shutdown. The UN said it's directly because of the shutdown that mm. these people are dying right now. And the media is not reporting it because it goes against that narrative that it's safe for us to shut everybody down. So, two other points I want to bring up. One thing that Walt brought up, which I was thinking about before the uh, Industrial Revolution, this is what people kind of forget. The, the mother and the father worked from home. The family business. So the kids got to see the father every day. The kids got to work with the uh, dad. They got to learn the business. And what happened was the Industrial Revolution took the father out of the home and it separated the mother and the father. The father was earning the income. Then it caused, I mean, if you look at the studies, and then the father said, oh, this is my money. And then what about this? And then they'll use it on alcohol. And that really caused a divide in marriages. Um, before it was the wife and the husband working together for the family business. So it was one income, you didn't have divorce. And the father was taken out, and this was before the uh, sexual revolution with the women taken out. And I see um, a lot of businesses that you don't have to work in the office, you could bring that, that uh, back to the home. Now some you can't, but I see a, a great advantage with technology that if you can work from home, that's better. And then if you implement your kids to show what you do from the home, I think that's a positive from it. Um, and the last point I wanted to bring up, we have to do what is according to our state in life. I'm not in politics. I, I have a certain uh, responsibility to speak the truth, but my responsibility is my family, my friends, and whenever the truth has to come up, I have to say it. We need to turn off you know, Fox News, CNN. We have no control over that stuff. We shouldn't stress over that stuff. All we can do is pray and speak the truth. We need to be responsible for according to our state of life and not live this virtual reality of what is going on in Washington, what is going on here and we have no control over it. Um, Can you imagine Mary and Joseph was uh, going to, Egypt, escaping for their lives, and they're like, man, I wonder what's going on with the emperor of Rome. I wonder what the political realm's going on, and Mary's stressing out about it, like, why didn't they do this bill? It it didn't happen, or I wonder what King Herod is doing. All they worried about was their family, Mm. and I think that's what what a positive to is really putting in perspective of what's going on. Don't stress out about it. Just worry about your family. Worry about speaking the truth when it comes up. I think that's important. Media consumption needs to go down. Like I have family members that are consumed with, mm-hmm. it, and that can really stress you out. When you we can't be consumed with things we have no control. Like what did Jesus say? Why stress? Um, I'm trying to think of the exact words, but you came and change the color of your hair. Like there's nothing you can do there. Let tomorrow play out. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. Don't worry about the future. Just live in the present. Uh, Father Wolf mentioned. I love this saying. It's like today's moment the present is the only time you can be a saint the only time you can grow in virtue The only time you can gain an indulgence The only time you can do sacrifices for loved ones not the future and not the past we only have the moment the present fabulous that's, that's something that uh i'm really trying to uh, learn with and then i'm just to end this with Cause I, I, you know, I love Marian apparitions and stuff. If we didn't have Mary that came down at Lourdes and Fatima and I learned of another one, I don't, I can't think of the ni- name it was in the 1950s that he's, it was the same message of Fatima and Benedict and uh, Pope Benedict in 2011 approved it. I never heard of this one. There, I mean, There's messages after message approved by the church. It's really important not to get carried away with unapproved messages. Mm-hmm. Um, that we have the Queen of Heaven on our side, and we know how it's going to play out. We just got to be faithful in our lives. We may see the result of the triumph of the church, or we may not. And if we don't, we just have to do our point. Uh, we have just a small time in history that we're going to live. I could die next year, and it's got to be faithful for what I have, and not worry about, uh, I guess the. Don't don't get caught up too much about prophecies. All we have, I I might die tomorrow. What does it matter about what's going to happen two hundred years from now? I mean,
0: so, Drew, phenomenal. Very much appreciative for our listening audience. If you want to hear a fuller treatment, of. God speaking from heaven through private revelations in our recent decades even. Check out our program at IgniteRadioLive.com featuring Drew Blazik. Just do a search on that. With, uh, Drew, your comment about social media, another encouragement and resource to parents. Please, with your kids, watch the movie The Social Dilemma. It's uh, essentially showcasing from the perspective of executives of these companies, Twitter and Facebook and Google, their grave concerns of what this monstrosity, this Leviathan, has become initially. And it can do a lot of good things. Those of you who know me know I am engaged in media, social media, so it's Drew. I think a lot of these guys are here. But um, how built into its very ecology are factors that, that are meant to addict us. To ensnare us, so um check out also Tristan Harris. Anything that he's he's got his own podcast, just as it sounds, T R I S T A N Harris, uh, as he talks about this with great insight. And again, these aren't even Catholics from a Catholic or Christian perspective. They're simply addressing the detriment to the human person as a result of this this social leviathan that is. Uh, promised to satisfy things in the human person that it simply can't satisfy. Drew, um, <clears throat> before I cut you off and open the door to a final question as we land here, I'm so grateful for all of you being with us here on Ignite Radio Live. Drew, why should families pray a daily rosary?
5: I, try, I can't remember where the Pope was. He likes simple answers to it, and they say, why do you pray the, uh, pray the rosary? And as simple as so we can be made worthy of the promises of Christ. It's as simple as that. But number two is because the Queen of Heaven didn't get off her throne to come down to earth just to see what was going on in Portugal at the time. She didn't come down and say, hey, what's going on? She came down for a purpose, and she asked everyone to pray the rosary every day. So if the Queen of Heaven asked that, and if you look at the writings of it, she said there's only two things that can uh, solve the world's problems that God has left. Because in this time, if you look at all the prophecies, God is sending her mother or uh, his mother one last time before the chastisement. That's what it is. Send it one last time. The world will listen. It was to pray the rosary and do the devotion to the immaculate heart. That's what, um, the Fatima message is. And it's just so important. And then mm-hmm. apart from just because heaven is asking want to be obedient. It's cause you're actually meditating on the mysteries of the gospels. And it's not just saying those words, but it's actually meditating on those mysteries and those, those alone can really, uh, uh, help the soul to get away from sin. And a last point, uh uh Saint uh Teresa Avila said that it's impossible to meditate on the passion and to sin. Hmm. You're either gonna give up the meditation or you're gonna give up the sin. Powerful you can't do point. Both. And I think that's um That's why we do it.
0: Quick, endearing story. The Blazics, Drew, Jesse, and family live behind the woods, or I should say we're separated by a little woods, and some of you may know the story that our daughter, Grace, kind of paved the 100-yard path between uh, our neighborhood and theirs, uh, took a couple days to do it. And um, last summer, very endearing, sometimes nights in a row, some of the Blazic kids would make their way through this path and emerge into our backyard and... Invite us to pray the rosary with them, which is so beautiful. So, so beautiful as a witness and a testimony. And I encourage those of us, first of all, to get our rosary game together. Lent's coming up. Why not? Make that a commitment. And uh, discover the grace outpoured. But for those of you who are in your game, it's a simple way to engage others also to pray. Invite neighbors and others to join you. This is the way it, quote-unquote, used to be. This is the way we really defeat the enemy, right? If, if God is about presence, uh, descending from heaven and entering into this earth in real presence, as we spoke of in John 6, the enemy is going to attack by distance, by alienation, by separation. So we defeat the gates of hell by creating contexts of real presence. Just think about that. I'll even say, as a capacity for those who aren't Catholic, my son John Paul at Hillsdale College, uh, I, I was surprised as he shared this story, but he would go on rosary walks, and he'd kind of pull... Uh, fellow friends out of the dorms, whether they're Catholic or not, to join them, and they ended up becoming regulars, non-Catholic Christian kids. Why? Because he explained, you know, as Drew said, the mysteries that are in Scripture of Christ's life to go there. And the Rosary, essentially, right, if you break apart the prayer, it's essentially all scriptural, and then, of course, the part of asking the saints to pray for us. Well, which of us don't ask the saints to pray for us? You ask somebody that you know is close to Christ, and is there anybody closer to Christ than the his blessed mother i want to circle back just quickly on please please true is that i always forget everyone should look up the 15 promises
5: of the rosary and the Mary uh, told saint dominic and um those promises our mother does not lie so those promises mm. are mm. true mm. and you should read them and if you doubt that those promises happened there's a there's a miracle that happened in south america where she appeared to a um a little kid and her image, you can look it up, is still in the rock. And scientists looked at it, and it goes three to four feet deep, the painting, it's impossible. Wow. But the picture is her handing the rosary to St. Dominic, and then there's another saint. I'm not sure who it is, but it shows the authentic- authenticity of it. So.
0: so for those rightly looking for empirical evidence, and there is value there or Christ would not have taken an empirical flesh and blood for us to connect with him. We wouldn't have the empirical story of history. So the empirical realm is very important. Read the encyclical Faith and Reason. Fides et Ratio is very good for this day and age to understand how both faith and reason are meant to work together. Um, Let me go back to Dr. Jeff here as we're coming in for a landing and then just open it up to any of you with any thoughts or comments from anything anybody had shared here tonight. But uh, Dr. Jeff, so I do think that This battle this shadow of eternity is really playing out through things like viruses it does play out through things the way in which we're we're taught to think about viruses and we know that there's a higher rate of depression than ever recorded in human history in the past year largely because of the emphasis um, on this the way we should respond to the virus so as a catholic a clinician as a doctor who's dealt with this give us a what you perceive from your study a godly perspective of how we should look at the virus in our own lives
4: i just can't believe in in practice um the amount of fear in our teenage kids in our late um you know eight nine ten year olds the amount of fear and anxiety this is instilled upon them um i think a, a trend that we've seen in here is that uh, in this conversations today is about how many people go to school and how many people go to the grocery store and how many people do this and do this sport but yet mass is too dangerous to go to. I mean as a as a health practitioner to think that you're going to be sitting in pews that are blocked off every other one you're going to go you're going to go for the mass and then you're going to leave that there's major health implications that you can't do these things because you're going to all these other places and doing all these other things now i understand you know you know that people do have really bad immune systems because of diabetes obesity heart disease the wear and tear on our decisions over our 60 70 years of life and so i i don't want to sound like i'm living in this fantasy land of of the impact of a virus that that somebody could get and could make them really sick and it could even cause them to pass away. I'm not downplaying that, but I'm just saying we need to be educating people on a different strategy. We need to be focusing on bringing people together in community and creating accountability groups. You know, we're doing a fast through our office at Daniel's Fast and we're asking for um, patients to do it with us. We're going to start, you know, every morning with a five minute you know, meditation, pray on a, uh, think about a relationship you're struggling with, think about something that you're going to offer up your sacrifice for that day. Um, So I think we just need accountability. um, And it's hard to do that when we're all told not to gather, not to communicate, not to talk. Um, I think that the the strategy needs to be focused on bringing us back to what God intended for our lives. That's not social distancing, mask use, and gobs of hand sanitizer and vaccines and all of that stuff. Um, God intended us to be natural. To, to reduce our chemical, physical, mental stresses. we call got more three T's, thoughts, traumas, toxins, uh, and to live a, a more full life in relation to him. I can go all day about it, about yeah. what your interests are, you know, what the medical, what the pharmaceutical, what the insurance interests are in you. And I, I tell people, it's not your health. They have a bottom line that they are trying to protect and they are trying to gain, whether it's power, whether it's money, whether it's control, whatever. It's not about you um we need to make it about us we need to make it about god's plan for us and we can do that by eating good foods praying exercising being active spending time with our families forming our children um, and educating them so we don't have those anxious teenagers in our lobby anymore the ones that are on their phone on social media reading all these horrible stories and that are so paranoid that they're going to fall over and die if they go to church
0: That's awesome. Thanks so much for that, Jeff. We're going to have a dedicated program where we uh, talk about, shall we say, things hidden in darkness, things that maybe many of our listeners aren't aware of that are at play in the narrative about COVID and health and uh, from a faith perspective. So anticipate that coming down the road in the next few weeks. Folks, we got about 30 seconds for each of you to give us a final word just from being here tonight. By the way, I'm so grateful that all of you took time to come together and share your your story, share what's happening here. I think just us opening the door to conversation is very important and to address some of these very key issues with the awareness again that God is sovereign. So, final word, Walt.
1: I've asked my own family and I ask all of, all of our extended family and friends, just always be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Um, and therefore be honest then with everyone else. Um, in particular, we have a family member who has been petrified through this whole thing, the whole way through. And I was so impressed with her because very recently here, right. You, she has access to this, uh, the vaccine. She said, you know what? I'm not going to get the vaccine. Hmm. And I was dumbfounded. And I said, well, why aren't you going to get the vaccine? I thought you were, you know, absolutely going to get this vaccine. She's like, one, I don't oper- I do not want to operate in fear anymore. She said, "Number two. I just feel like this is a mask for everything else." And she's like, "I, I feel like this is a fake shield, if you will." And she's like, I "Just I don't I don't want to do this." She's like, "I, I want to be truly healthy in a different way." And I you know I've realized I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this, and now that it's here, it's like I don't think this is the right thing to do. I'm very impressed by her looking inside of herself and being honest.
2: Hmm.
1: And I think all of us here you know have seen so many people kind of they know what the truth is. Like they, they know there's stuff that's messed up, but for some reason they just are unwilling to be honest with themselves and others. And I ask
3: for honesty.
0: (laughs) Great word. Rich, final word. Based on what I've
3: heard from everybody is we all control our own sphere of influence. And I think um, that is the most important thing we can do is just change the way we live. And, you know, I I can't worry about uh, what politicians are doing, what, and what, uh, people are doing what I can control what I'm doing and what our family's doing and the people around me are, are experiencing. So I need to control that. Um, the one thing I have done over the last couple of months is really turn off all media.
2: Hmm.
3: I think it, it's, it's pollution to the heart and soul to, to be so glued to, uh, to the CNN Fox news, whatever station you like it is, it, it's, it's horrible. Uh, stuff and it, it's you know some of it's true most of it is not and we can't determine what is and what is not so i, I think we just turn it off and then the last thing you know i think our mass attendance is off probably 60 to 70 percent depending on the areas and you know people have not come back christmas mass was empty um i think we need to begin to invite people back um, it's just, you know, if we don't see people at Mass, we don't see families, we need to invite back and say, you know what, uh, we, we need you, we want you, uh, please come back.
0: Thanks so much, Rich. Final word, Jeff.
4: After this last year, we've watched so much stuff that will blow your mind. And what is true and what's not true, we have no idea. We know that Jesus Christ is true. We know that we are going to die. That's a part of life. And when we meet him after we die, we want to know that we operated in truth and in his truth and um so that's what we're focusing on unplugging from all of the secularism and, and, and diving into him and uh so when we do die that is the truth and we will all die um that we can be in a good place
0: so good final word drew um i'll
5: say be careful of information where you get it from be wise and know that Most of the media is owned by big business. Most of what's going on because of globalism, big business. So it's got to be careful. Find good sources that you trust, listen to it, and ignore the propaganda. And like what Jeff said, one thing we uh, know, we all die. One thing we don't know is how and when. So be prepared.
0: Awesome. Walt Erickson, Rich Cronin, Jeff Omar, Drew Blazik, two wonderful men so blessed To be united with you in such a time as this, in, if you will, a fog of war that, what, invites us to have faith, to trust in God, as we've included in our prayer as a family over the last two years. It's been very formidable and uh, maybe punctuating this night. Uh, We pray, Lord, thank you for the discomfort. Thank you for the difficulties. Thank you for the challenges because there are occasions that you forge us into the likeness and image of your son, Jesus. It's an opportunity to love purely. And so I leave that with all of you wonderful listeners tonight and so blessed to be on this journey with you. Just know God's sovereignty, proclaim it, receive it, get to mass, receive the grace, trust in God. You know, he is the provision for our poverty. So blessed to be on the journey with you. Until next time, God bless you.